From a beautiful day in New York City, this is the All Hoops Podcast with CVNC Breezy. I'm your host, Stephen Inman, alongside my co-host, Chris Brito. Chris, we learned a lot from Nick's Media Day earlier this week. We heard from Chris Stapps Porzingis on his new role now that Carmelo Anthony is gone, and how new Nick's big man, Enos Cantor, discovered he was traded. A ton to get to today, but first off, Chris, how are you? Hey, man. Um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, it still feels like summer. Um uh, in late September. Um, I'm really excited to see the, this Knicks team come together and now move on from Carmelo Anthony. And, you know, we've been talking about it the whole summer and now it's finally done. The deal is done. And honestly, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for, for you know, I'm, I'm grateful for everything they've done for the franchise. Um, but I think it was time for everyone to move on. And now he's off to a Thunder team that I think, will be one of the top teams this year. We'll get to how the Thunder rank in the Western Conference in a bit. But first, let's talk about this mellow era now over in New York. Would you consider the mellow era a success here? Well, I think it all comes down to the expectations, right? I think when he came in, he he kind of he came with the, the mantle of being the savior of New York City. More or less kind of like the same thing with, with Stefan Marbury when he was traded here. And Amari. And Amari. Um... And frankly, he wasn't much of a savior, but I would say this. I think he is someone that, despite how you feel about, quote-unquote, how selfish he was on the court, I think he was he was a great statesman for the NBA, for his brand, for... He was, a, he was always a class act, and even, even toward the end of his time with the Knicks, he showed that he cared about his fans, and... and you know, he even set up a campaign for, you know, fundraising efforts efforts for for Puerto Rico. His, you know, his that's where his, his mother or father is from, and I just think Carmelo is a is a great dude overall. Um, but I'm sad to see him go. Do I see it as a success? No, I mean three playoff runs, only really one victory over the Boston Celtics that one year. Um, it's no, I, I wouldn't call it a success. Carmelo Anthony certainly had a lot of highlights in his time in New York. You know, he had a 62-point game. You know, that's no no Nick had ever scored that many points in the game before. He did that with seven minutes left to go in the game. If that was a closer game, he could have got even more points. Right. Really an insane accomplishment there. I put I put that one up as one of my top mellow moments in the Knicks uniform. I think for me, the moment was was the Easter was the Easter game against um, the Chicago Bulls the first year he was when here. When he hit the game winner. When he hit the game winner. No, when he hit the three-pointer to tie it to send it to overtime. Then he hit the three-pointer in overtime to win the game. It just made you feel like anything was possible with Carmelo Anthony. Uh, to talk about this trade, so Carmelo Anthony goes to the Thunder for Enos Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a second-round pick. Do you think they could have gotten more for Carmelo Anthony in this deal? Yeah, they probably could have gotten more. I think that would have been more of a question of how, who's going to hold, who's going to play poker, who's going to play their poker face a little bit more. Had the Knicks waited a little bit more time, I think Melo would have gotten a little more desperate because it would have been a super awkward situation for him to be in a Knicks uniform <laughs> come media day um, last month, uh, two days ago. And now... But at the same time, the Knicks probably didn't want to deal with all the, the circus of, oh, oh, is Melo being traded? Is he not? Is he staying? What's his role in the team now that he's staying? So now I think it was a trade 
that both team like both parties needed to make right so you know the Knicks move on they can now form their franchise around Porzingis and the other uh, and, and Frank and Tim Hardaway so I think this makes sense for both teams I like Ennis Cantor and I like Doug McDermott um, so we'll see man what about you what do you think do you think they could have gotten more or I think they could have gotten more it's a deal that I think they could, should not have made until they got a first-round pickback. I think that should have been the priority. They do get a young, emerging big man in Enos Cantor, who's um, on a relatively reasonable contract. Seventeen, a little, a little over seventeen million this year, and an eighteen and a half million dollar player option next year. They also get Doug McDermott, who, in the right system, could be a very efficient shooter. A second-round pick from the Chicago Bulls. The yeah. Chicago Bulls are going to be really bad, so that's going to be basically like a, a thirty, like a thirty, uh, a mid thirties round pick, right? So that that's not that's something you could use. That could be an asset to you too. And who knows? Maybe if a Cantor plays really well, he's lost some weight. Maybe he can turn himself into a defender. Then they can flip him in February asset. for for more picks. So I think I think the big headline here is the Knicks are going young. They're clearly going young. They they always talk about how they want to build from within and go young, but they never really do it. Now they're actually doing it. And I like that this is going to be their identity. And it's exciting to see a team with players that could be getting better, not declining going forward. Right. And just to get, just to touch upon that point about, you know, whether we could have gotten more or not, just think about it this way. We traded a first round pick for an, Andrea Bargnani a few years back. Oh, can whoa. you believe that? <laughs> that is. And he was about to. He was, if. He's about to get amnesty. He was about to get amnesty. Had we waited a little bit more, we could have gotten. We could have still had that first round pick. In any case, let's talk a little bit more about Melo now that he's in the Thunder. Now, where do you see the team um, in the, you know, the tough Western Conference where like I think teams one through fourteen or thirteen are like could all be playoff contenders. I mean, if the NBA ranked the best 16 teams instead of best eight in the West, best eight in the East, there would be 12 Western Conference teams and four Eastern Conference teams most likely. The West is loaded. And now it's just another star going from the East to the West. Right. It's really remarkable how many of these guys have moved over to the Western Conference. Jimmy Butler, Paul George, now Carmelo Anthony. There's been so many guys this, this summer – to do that, I really think the Thunder are as good as anybody right now that is in Golden State. You know, Carmelo Anthony is an elite scorer. You have a, a tremendous defender in Paul George who also brings a ton to the table offensively. Russell Westbrook was the league's MVP last year. The real question is, are they going to have enough basketballs to go around for the three of them? Plus, you know, the Thunder have other role players too who really, you know, could use the ball too. To help score, you know, Stephen Adams is still a guy who is going to get his double-digit points, you know, so more or less. So I think right now that's the big question with the Thunder. Billy Donovan is a, a relatively still new NBA head coach. Is he going to be able to handle all these egos? If he is and this team is able to play together well, then I see no reason why this team can't give you some great playoff moments along with at least the two-seed in the West. Right, and you know what? I think the the Thunder match up really well with um, the Warriors too. Um, at least from a like a starting five, you know, point. Right, you have 
Russell Westbrook guarding Curry. Westbrook always dominates Curry. Well, not, well, not always, but you know, the, he he matches up his athleticism matches really matches up really well with um, Curry's finesse. You have Paul George, who is a lengthy defender. He could he could he's one of the, maybe the few players that could guard Kim Durant. You have Melo, who's Melo on Draymond. I think it's a toss up, but I would give the give the edge to Melo. Obviously, he's a much better scorer. And Stephen Adams and who probably Zaza Pachulia. Yeah. I think those are also a toss up. I would give the edge to Adams there. I don't really think Zaza does much of anything. Except, except step over set, Westbrook. Except and and set dirty screens. Yeah. Um, the West is gonna be really interesting. But yeah, I think I think they match up. The only my only issue with them though is that they don't have enough depth in their bench or enough scores on their bench to put them over the Warriors. That's that's where I give the Warriors the edge. They have a starting lineup basically on their bench. Got so, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston. You know they have some tremendous assets off their bench. You can even make the you can even make the argument, Javale McGee. Sure. I mean, he's been a starter before. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll wait and see. We're gonna break down our Western Conference. You know, on next week's show, we'll we'll talk about that. But let's go over Media Day. It was our first Media Day as the All Hoops Podcast. It was a lot of fun. You've been to a couple yourself. What was your impressions of of Media Day here? Well, for me, there are a bunch of things that stood out. Um, let me start with. Um, you know, everyone talking about Melo, how, you know, they were thankful for, for his advice, for, for his mentorship for the year, especially Chris Porzingis and Tim Hardaway, um, our, our, our quote-unquote new Nick. Um, I just got the sense that this team knew that he was on the way out. They knew that it was time to move on. Um, it, it seems like everybody was much more relaxed. Everyone was re- is, is pumped up for a new season. Um, Christoph Porzingis had a very interesting quote um, when he said that um, he was talking about, a, a reporter asked him about his relationship with, with, with Coach Hornacek. Um, there had been rumors that they're not, they had not been getting along, and that was one of the reasons why he missed out on the uh, players meeting at the end of the season last season. So he said that that never happened, that they're, they're on good terms now. I mean, I got the impression that maybe, you know, it, it, was, it was something, but at least now it's over. They're, he's ready for a new season. I think now there's, a, there's, since more, there's more of a focus on Chris Tapps. Um, everyone put the reset button, and now they're into this season, you know, the expectation shouldn't be that high anyway, um, but I think everyone is excited. Everyone's ready for to bring on a new challenge without Melo. Let's talk about Porzingis and, and that aspect real quick. He was very quick to shut down the Hornacek uh, debacle, as you described it there. One of the main questions they asked the reporters asked him was, "How is his leadership?" Is he ready to be a leader? And he sounded very confident that this is his time to do so. Do you believe that he's ready to be the go-to guy here? I think. Well, I, I saw I saw a few games of him in playing for the Latvia national team, and I have to say that he, for a, a young twenty-something, he showed a. He's always showed a different type of, you know, confidence as a young guy. You never got the impression that he was 20 years old. You always got the impression of this guy, you know, he's been around, he's been experienced. This guy has been playing professional ball since he was a teenager. So, 
Um, to that point, um, well, well, we'll talk about Frank Nielkin in a minute, but I think Chris Tapps is more ready than we give him credit for. And when he was asked about that leadership question, he responded with leadership. Obviously, we're, we're probably delving into it a little bit too much, but really, you don't know if you're ready to be a leader until you're actually doing leadership duties and putting yourself out there and, and starting this training camp. So that's what I think. Again, with with uh, Porzingis, you know, he's a very smart guy. We talked about, uh, at media day, we were talking about how he is now the go-to guy here and how he acknowledged that the doubles that would come to Carmelo late in the fourth quarter are not going to go to him. It's going to make his job much more difficult, but he says he's ready for the challenge. My impressions of media day were pretty much what we talked about before is how young this team has gotten seemingly overnight. You know, Tim Hardaway is in the mid-20s. Ines Cantor's in his mid-20s. McDermott's in his mid-20s. Hernan Gomez. Hernan Gomez. Porzingis is in his early 20s. You you know, obviously Frank Nielakin is basically still a teenager. This team is very, very young with the exception of, of Joachim Noah. This is... And a, Quinn. And O'Quinn. And this is a very young team. And that was one of my first impressions. The other thing I really noticed was a lot of these guys raved about how excited they were to play for Coach Hornacek's up-tempo offense. This is a, an up-tempo offense that was really not able to be to shown yeah. to shown last year because of the triangle and other nonsense. Now you can have this quick-tempo thing where everybody's going to get their points, everybody's going to get up and down the floor. People, young players love playing in the system. Everybody's points go up. It's a similar offense to what uh, the yeah, Knicks went through with Oh. With Mike D'Antoni, and it's it's pretty much what he they both ran in Phoenix. This is um, a very quick up tempo system. Tim Hardaway should love mentioned it. Porzingis is going to enjoy it. You know, Ennis Cantor was a very skilled offensive player. His numbers should go up, especially he might get more minutes now. This is going to be a very exciting, young, and dare I say it, fun team to watch. And you know what? It's in, in talking about this and padding the stats and whatnot. And like I, even Porzingis said, um, the expectations to become an all-star are also there. Like He said he's ready for that as well. They asked him, do you expect to be an all-star this year? And he said, without a doubt, of course I do. Right. Yeah. And, and you can make the argument that he'll, he'll, he, he, is, he has a great chance because like there's a you know, weak East. Like you, probably, you could probably name all the all-stars in the East in your hand right now. Like what? John Wall, LeBron, Kimlin Love. Giannis. Giannis. Okay. Yeah, you can um, Giannis, Kyrie, what up, at six? Maybe Gordon Hayward. Uh, Gordon so like, Hayward. The point is, it's, it's a very weak Gordon Eastern Tragic, Conference. Maybe. Porzingis has the ability okay. to make to make it. Uh, the other interesting thing I thought was, with Enos Cantor now here, you still have O'Quinn still here, Porzingis is here, Hernan Gomez is here. Uh Porzingis acknowledged that, yes, he's probably going to play more four minutes because Enos Camp is going to play a lot of five. And Porzingis said he prefers to play the four, which I thought was very interesting. He prefers to play the power forward position and that you know he believes that puts him in a better position to, to succeed. I think that's going to be very interesting. Uh, we, we heard from you know the Knicks' new management, and they basically talked about how another trade could be coming with all these big men here. Maybe O'Quinn goes. Or, you know what, maybe Cantor, with his lost weight, maybe he can become some kind of defender, and they decide maybe we'll move Hernan Gomez. They can probably get a lot for him, a young big man, not making any money. 
So yeah. We'll um, wait and see, but I, I think another move in the next couple months to you know remove from the center position could be coming. Well, I think one of those guys will definitely get traded. I don't think without, without a doubt. It's there's just no point to have four front court, not front court, four center like guys on the team in a guard league. In a guards league, I see Quinn actually going to the, oh Quinn going to the Celtics at some point because um, they need some. They get you some front court help for sure. Um, even the Cavaliers too. Um, but who do you think should be the guy to start this season? I would stick with Hernan Gomez. I think he gives you enough offensively, and I think he's a nice presence defensively. He and Porzingis seem to have a good rhythm. Ennis Cantor has shown in his career that he's an excellent six-man-of-the-year candidate. I would keep him in that role. I think he can really help this second unit where – if you got, that way you don't have to rely on a Porzingis to give you 35 minutes a night. You can ease his minutes as the year goes on so he's not so tired like he has been in the last month of the year, each of the last two years. That way, instead of saying, oh my God, we have no offense, we can go to an Ennis Cantor off the bench and he can provide, you know, he's he's shown he can do a 14-point effort in 14 minutes. You know, it's, yeah. it's amazing what he's been able to do. I really think that's the way you do it at least to start the year. And then I think, you know, your lineup that you put in the, in the fourth quarter of close games, I think you probably put Ennis Cantor also as the fit, as the center. Yes, I would. Um, Late in game. So the other thing that I want to talk about is how polished uh, our new rookie is. Like, I I wasn't sure what to expect because I didn't really hear hear from him a lot over the summer. Obviously, he was he was finishing off his uh, French champ- uh, French league championship run and with a uh, with Strasbourg, and I was really impressed about how polished he was in front of his first media day. You know, he came. He obviously came. He heard about the reputation about the New York City media. He, he laughed when somebody asked him that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the New York media? And he just started crying. But he seemed like he was he was up for the challenge too of, of facing the reporters, and I think it speaks to the the talent pool that comes from Europe, right? They always um, I you know it's hard to compare, right? Like there's definitely like the English barrier or whatnot. But Frank came in, he he stepped up right to the plate and like batted away those questions. Like um, I when I asked him about his how his experience has helped him, he said you know it's it's you know being around all these different you know professionals has helped me to get to this point. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I don't think. I don't know if he's ready to be starting point guard yet because I haven't seen enough of him. But I think we're 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 we have a potential, you know, piece of the championship puzzle one day. That's terrific to hear for Nick fans everywhere. I think the goal that the Knicks should be hoping right now is mm-hmm. that Jack and Ramon Sessions can hold the fort down at point guard position long enough where the public pressure to start Nilakina does not surmount the Knicks where people are saying you're, they're not getting anything out of the point guard position they have to give this kid more minutes before he's ready I hope that you know a Jared Jack or or Sessions or even around Baker can show that they can give you enough at that spot where Anila Kina does not have to be rushed into that role who do you think will be the starter for the Knicks once season starts around I'm gonna go with Jared Jack if he's healthy he is the He's been a guy who's been a point guard in this league before. He's had a lot of success with teams like the Raptors, the Nets. If he is a team, if he's a uh, anything what he was, 
in those cities. And I think he can really hold this fort down and be a mentor to Neil Aquino for a better part of the season. My only thing with Jared Jack, though, is that they haven't they didn't sign him to a guaranteed contract, so I'm going to assume that Raymond Sessions will probably be the starter. Um, but yeah, I like Jared Jack. I've always been a fan of Jared Jack. I wish we we you know we signed him earlier. If Jared Jack is healthy, the healthier version of him. I don't. Obviously. If Jared Jack is healthy, I don't see how he doesn't make this team and play a significant so, role. He's a shrewd point guard, man. That's the type of guy you want on your team, especially a young team. You know what, Steve? I'm just excited that. The season's less than a month away, and I don't know, man. It's like it seems like these last four or five months have passed really quickly since the season ended for the Knicks, and you know after the playoffs started. Um, so, what are you most excited about? Like, to me, it's just the opening night, Boston at Cleveland. Right away, you're talking about the, one of the bigger trades of the summer, Kyrie. Extra drama. Extra drama back in Cleveland. Where's Isaiah Thomas going to be? That's to me a great one. Houston at Golden State could be a very good Western Conference Finals preview. Looking forward to that. Two nights later, the Knicks see old friend Carmelo Anthony again. It's going to be a, a great, great time. Just 26 days away from opening night in the NBA. I'm so excited, dude. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is that Dwayne Wade has signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers and reunited with his good buddy LeBron James. Um, do you think that this team with Dwayne Wade, will they dethrone the Golden State Warriors? Real quick before I answer that, poor Chicago Bulls real quick. They, they bring in Dwayne Wade, a hometown guy, thinking he's a missing piece to them moving on in the playoffs. Instead, it was a disastrous season with Dwayne Wade. They wind up giving him about $20 million last year and about 12 to $14 million of his contract this year. So they wanted to pay Dwayne Wade about one year over $30 million to have one, you know, really off year for them. It was really a disastrous time for them, and they're going to be rebuilding for a long time. Dwayne Wade, to me, is a, still a very, a very good player. If you can just keep him healthy enough for the playoffs, then, this, you know, he can really be a, a difference maker for a Cleveland team that needs every little bit of offense they can against a loaded Golden State team and probably what's going to be Cavs Warriors 4 in June. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you think he'll be a, a, a starter? Or will he I, would, the I would start him. I think they could get by with J.R. Smith coming off the bench there. They, ha they have some other scores they could go to. I would start Dwayne Wade and, you know, you could always mess with your rotations where Kyle Korver can come off the bench. Jared Smith can come off the bench, so they can find ways to get offense in that second unit with Dwayne Wade having that great, you know, chemistry with LeBron James. Hopefully we'll see a couple more of those alley-oops that we knew and loved when he when both of them were in Miami. No, I didn't love that. <laughs> they were doing it against the Knicks, that's why. Um, really quickly, I just want to touch upon um, how a lot... I really want to touch upon how a lot of the, the players around the NBA, you know, spoke out against... Uh, uh, the president's comments. I thought it was a nice show of solidarity, you know, between like the megastars like LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul. Um, I just wonder what what this season will, how this, how all of this will will affect how what the influence will be once the season begins. Like, will these players stand up for the anthem? Will they not? I think it's another interesting development. You know, 
um, because it's bigger than sports, you know. I think it's important that when we heard from Joe Kim Noah about this at, at Media Day, he talked about how we're not really sure as a team what we're going to do, but we're going to make sure that we do it as a team. That's what matters. We're just going to make sure that if we stand for the anthem, we sit for the anthem, we don't come out for the anthem, we're all going to do it together. I mean, no controversy from within the locker room, which I think is very important. And, you know, it's, it's obviously a very serious issue, and it's it's very noble of these players to stand up for what they believe is right. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, guys, so thank you for joining us. Um, next week, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to talk, we're going to break down the Western Conference teams, who we think will be the top eight teams. Um, and our team, that's going to be a surprise, that's going to make a big run that no one has seen coming. We're going to break that down next week. Now that is a tease. <laughs> that's right, Steve. All right, guys. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening.